0: Um, But I just want to read this morning, Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Carry one another's burdens. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you are spiritual. Restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so so that you won't also be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, As we dive into your word today, Lord, help us to have our our hearts and minds open to to receive this teaching today. Uh, Lord, I I pray that you would use the words of my mouth uh, as I share in the meditations of my heart, as I have pieced this together, that God, you would use it, and it would be pleasing and honoring to you. Lord, we pray that you get all the glory in all this. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to ask right off the bat a question that most of you would probably be able to answer right away. Um, but for a new believer, it might be something that you kind of wonder, or a, someone who is not quite there as a believer, they might ask this question. Is that is it okay for someone to be a Christian and sin? Because when someone responds to the gospel message and becomes a Christian, do they automatically go on living a perfect life? Is it, you know, easy street? The moment you say, I'm a believer, easy street. No. (laughs) But does does this mean that as a Christian, I'm allowed to mess up? Again, I I ask the question, is it okay for someone to be a Christian and sin? I'm going to walk through a few different scenarios just to think through. Now, most of you know me. I'm Nate. I work here at Crossview Church. I do a lot of different things, whether it's worship or, or student ministry or occasionally preach. Um, but I have responded to the gospel. I, I identify as a Christian, and I've shown my faith in Jesus. That is who I am. But you might hear a story, you know, over at Sunrise. You hear a story about, you hear about what Nate Johnson did. He was speeding down Third Avenue. No, he, he sinned. <laughs> I never speed down Third Avenue. Other people do, but I don't. But other people would say, he's messed up, and he's sinned. But Nate just seems okay with it. Is that all right, that I'm just, eh, I'm okay with X, Y, Z, whatever I did? Well, again, the right answer is no. It is not okay for a Christian to sin, but it is something that is bound to happen because temptation will come There will be moments where we'll feel, not that we say, I have the urge to sin, but we have the urge to do something that is sinful. Let's go to another scenario. Point the finger out at you guys. There's someone who goes, and I'm not talking about anyone literally, this is all hypothetical, but there's someone who goes to Crossview Church, and they are a member of our church, but they screw up royally. They speed down Third Avenue, and my kiddos are watching. No, Uh, but they screw up pretty badly. How do we as a church respond when someone does mess up? And final scenario, and this one I, I have to share a short story, maybe not the full story, but how many of you are familiar with paintball? You know, the cool guns, they have little balls that you shoot people and they hurt really, really bad. I went in middle school and I got shot all up my leg and I had bruises for like two weeks. It was a terrible experience and maybe why I haven't gone paintballing since then. All about laser tag. But say, Crossview Church, we decide, let's get a big paintball game together, and we go and play against one of the other churches in town. So we're all, we're all out on, on a field, and we're playing, and there's a lot of paintballs whizzing by and everything. But as the game gets going, Mike Ancrum gets shot in the leg. And because of Mike getting shot, we're, we're down a player. We're like, Mike, why would you do this? We turn to him and say, what's wrong with you? We know nothing's wrong with you, Mike. I love you, man. But we—what what if we were to say, like, why would you go and get yourself shot? Why would you choose to to step out and expose yourself and get hurt? This sounds ridiculous. Why would we say that to anyone? First of all, because no one chooses to just step out there and take one, but they did. And us yelling at someone for doing that—it doesn't help the situation. So as we get back to Galatians, and I I know I read through, but we're going to go through this almost verse by verse, but Paul begins to talk about people who are part of the church and they mess up. So if you have your Bibles opened up, we're going to start back at Galatians 6, 1 through 3, and it'll be on the screen, but as always, Bibles are in the pews as well. So it reads, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. So we'll stop there for for a moment. So what Paul is saying is that gospel-centered believers— can, and they're going to mess up. We will all mess up at some point. But if someone gives in to a temptation and commits a sin, they are to be restored, and they're to be restored by someone who is spiritually mature. It is the responsibility of those who are spiritually mature to help restore a believer who has fallen. Not only are they to restore this person, but also Paul describes how they should restore them. They restore them with gentleness. I'm going to propose a hard question to you guys. Is Do you believe that we as gospel-centered believers restore others with gentleness when they mess up? It's a hard thing to think about. Because when someone messes up, do you treat them differently? And do you make them feel judged? Or do you do the opposite? Do you love on them? you care for them and support them in their restoration process? Something for us to think about when that happens, when we see that happen in a church family member or someone in our family that we love. Because Paul says that the spiritually mature ones are those who restore in a spirit of gentleness. And I personally believe, and I would guess others would agree with me on this, is that a good indicator of a spiritually mature believer is someone who not only knows the gospel, but they're also willing to take, take the time to care for someone who is in need. And I will say in the two and a half years that I've been here at Crossview, I, I, I myself and, and my family have been blessed by, by folks who have, have loved on us, who have showed up with sweet corn and all sorts of other vegetables from their gardens. We have been blessed by that. We've been blessed by when Christine had the twins when she was on bed rest, we were going through a hard time, and we we, we know that there are those in our church, and we're blessed by that. We do thank you for that. I know if I didn't say thank you before, this is my chance to say thank you. But our church does—we are blessed with that—that that there are spiritually mature people who are there to love and care on those who are hurting, who are in need. So let's go back to the paintball illustration. We want, I'm not going to pick on Mike anymore. But say someone is shot and they're on the ground. A loving, caring friend would be the one to take the time, like the Good Samaritan, they would take the time to run to their friend's aid and help their friend off the field and recover from their wounds, help them in their time of need. Have any of you been in that situation? Maybe not laying on a field cover in, you know, tie-dye paint, but have you been in that situation where you feel like you've been shot down, where you have messed up, where you feel bad? where you feel terrible about what you did and you want to get better. I mean, no one just gets hurt and like, well, I'm just hurt now and then you're on, you know, what's the phrase, you know, hit them while shoot them while they're down and then you have this super spiritual Simone come along who's got their finger out saying, you sure not done that, you were very bad and that's who you are and you are wrong and they just point out their sin. I picked the name Simone because I don't think we have anyone at our church with the name Simone so I like the alliterations. Super spiritual, Simone. Anyway, we don't, want, we don't want people to do that because does that help the situation? Does it help when someone sins that we walk up to him and be like, you drink too much, this happened, you sped on Third Avenue, you cheated on your ta- you don't No one wants that because it doesn't help and it actually makes things worse when, when that happens because a true gospel-centered Christian knows how to bear another one's burden. And I've got two verses I'm just going to share with you rapid fire, but if you want to write them down, Colossians 3.13 and Ephesians 4.2, and I'm just going to read them to you. Two wonderful verses. Bear, so this is Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's a good memory verse for this week, Colossians 3.13. Or Ephesians two. A little bit shorter. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. That might be actually a parents for for all the parents in here. That's one to remember when the kids are driving you crazy. There are some believers who are walking around life with a heavy burden, and I know you're probably tired of hearing me say it. Maybe I'll I'll say it in a, a prayer at the beginning of the service. I know I pray it when we're as a praise team when we're preparing for the service. Lord, those that are coming through the doors with a heavy burden, allow them to lay it at the foot of the cross. We all carry burdens, whether they're big or small. And the thing is, is some of you, you are in a family. Some of you are in, you see this in your family. Some of you see it at work, you show up on Monday morning, and you can tell that someone has had a really hard weekend. Or whether it's your neighbor, you're out mowing and you just see them standing outside not knowing what to do because of a situation. They are carrying a burden. And like I said, there may be some of you that are, you yourselves are walking around with a heavy burden. So to to those, the mature believers, those that can see that weight on people, it is our job to help those who are carrying a heavy burden. Let's continue on in Galatians 6. We're up to verse 4 now. We're going to read 4 through 6. On to the next piece. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Kind of turning the page here from helping others to carry the burden to folks themselves carrying their burden. But what Paul says is that each is going to have to bear their own load as well. Because he's letting us know that we are responsible for carrying our own burdens if we mess up. Because it's never, okay, <clears throat> it's never okay for a Christian to mess up and sin and just walk away like it didn't happen. You best be sure that he will have to bear the responsibilities of his own actions. Because if a man sins, breaks the law, and gets arrested it's, you know, we're not watching cop shows seeing, like, a guy gets busted, and he's like, oops, I'm sorry, I'm human, nobody's perfect, and just walks away free. That does not happen unless it's a comedy, you know, cop show, but they don't just get to walk away free. He may have to be charged. He'll have to be fined, and he'll be put in jail, and he's going to have to carry a burden for a while. Now, This is not meant to sound boastful, but as a a believer who hopes he's mature, uh, I can't take away your burdens. I I don't have that super ability, and I can't right your wrongs for you, but I am supposed to restore you with a spirit of gentleness. That is what I am called to do. I think I have to be like 40 to be considered mature. Anyway, uh, Galatians, we're going to keep moving on. Uh, Galatians 6, 7 through 8, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. There's a lot of farmers in here or a family of farmers, but the phrase, whatever you sow, you will reap. I'm pretty sure we're it's a very familiar phrase and it is very true. Now, as the scripture was saying, some people they sow in the flesh. And last week we heard about the, the wonderful Greek word that I taught you, sarks, to sow in the flesh, to sow in sin. And then there are some people that they sow in the spirit. Now, Paul's listeners, so just a little bit of context, the ones that he was writing to, they would have really understood this metaphor, hearing what you reap is what you sow. Because a lot of them were farmers. And so this is a wonderful passage for us in the Midwest. Because there are a lot of farmers here. And they were a lot of farmers. Because when you sow corn, you better not be seeing soybeans pop up. You're gonna see corn, you're gonna reap corn in the fall, the summer and the fall. But when, in their case, when they sowed figs, they would reap a fig tree. Again, you reap what you sow. If you sow the flesh, if you sow in sin, you will reap corruption. But if you sow the Spirit, you reap eternal life. Now, one of our main points for today is gospel-centered Christians sow spiritual seeds. I'm all about the hard questions today, but I have a challenging one for you is, what kind of seeds have you been sowing this past week. You think back from last Sunday to today, what seeds have you been sowing? Have you been sowing in the flesh, or have you been sowing in the spirit? Now, the sad thing is, the, the very reality is, is that many people do spend their days sowing in the flesh, and when that happens, they say, man, why am I not growing spiritually? Why haven't, why don't I feel God? Why don't I feel further along in my faith walk. And they say that, and then in the next sentence they can say, oh, this is my new favorite show, you know, I'm loving that new Marvel show on Disney Plus or whatever it is on Netflix people are watching, or they're able to say, and I'll call it out, they'll be able to say their favorite sports team stats, I know that's a dangerous thing to say, go Cubs, Uh, but they can say things like that But they couldn't tell you where their Bible is in their house. It's probably on the bottom of the bookshelf buried under a layer of dust. They don't know where that is at. Because if you keep sowing seeds of the flesh, we can't be surprised when we reap corruption. And we might not see corrupt, we hear the word corruption and we think catastrophe. But it doesn't have to be something that big. It can be a smaller thing. But it can still be separation. It can still be a sin. Church, if you if we want to grow in spiritual things, we must sow spiritual seeds. And today I, I wanted to start the sermon a little bit differently. And I was telling Scott I had this idea, and he's like, you should do that sometime this summer. And it's my last chance to do it this summer. So I did it. I brought out my Bible. Big honkin leather, massive margins Bible. And I know that over the years I we'll pray. I'll, I'll spend a few moments in prayer, and I'll say, Lord, speak to me. I'll say, Lord, I want to, to, I want to sow my seeds in spiritual things. I want to know you more. And my Bible just sits there and collects dust. I'm not taking the time to actually mine the seeds out of God's word so that I can sow them in my life, so that I can grow spiritually. So, church, I'm not saying you need to go and buy a big honkin' leather-bound Bible. You could buy a soft cover if you want to, but be in God's Word because that's where the seeds are. That's where God's wisdom is. That's where his, that's God's opportunity to speak to us, is in his Word, not just us saying, Lord, let me hear you right now. That's where he's going to speak to you from. Is from his Word speaking of his word, let's continue. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I will tell you, as a parent of four beautiful, wonderful daughters, all ages five to one year old, that weariness is a terrible state to be in. i every time Tyler, if you don't know Tyler, go say hi to him. He's one of our, our folks, he's shaking his head, please don't talk to me. Uh, Tyler's one of our guys that serves on our AV team, and him and his, we baptized his son, Philip, earlier this summer, and every time Tyler and I get together, we commiserate on being, you know, new dads, having a baby in the home, which now they're toddlers, they're not babies anymore, but we talk about how tired we are. And church, some of you, you have you were, you've had babies, you're now, maybe your children are, are grown, but we've all experienced weariness in some capacity. Even the teenagers, you experience weariness. We all have felt it. And weariness is a terrible state to be in because we know that exhausting, tired, I wish life was over type of feeling. Like We just want things to just be easier because when we feel weary, when we wake up and feel more tired than we do when we fell asleep, all we want to do is say, I give up today. The kids can just eat Cheerios all day. Like, we're just ready to call it in and just say, I give up. But church, I have to tell you, as a believer, we're going to face those days. And most of you have probably faced maybe a day like that. It's a question of what are we going to do, whether doing all this is worth it, whether it is. We have to remember that being a gospel-centered Christian, it's never going to be a walk in the park. We will have to tough it out at times. But there is good news, and Paul encourages us to keep doing good and be patient for spiritual fruit. Let's close out our our passage today, Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Because gospel-centered believers, they take the time. They see an opportunity to do good, and they do it. You know, I, the, the thing that I, I myself have tried to correct is, and if I have done this to you, I apologize. I'm trying to be gooder at this. If, I, if someone tells me, hey, Nate, I have this going on this week, And I use one of the wonderful Christian platitudes, I'll be praying for you. We have all said it. I'm pretty sure we've all said it at one point. And this is not me calling you out. This is me calling myself out. This is my illustration. Is I recognize, no, I'm going to pray right now. Because that's what that person is asking for. They're asking for prayer. Yes, pray at the time in which they have a doctor's appointment or something is happening. But take the 30 seconds to pray for that person and say, this is the good that I'm being called to do, is to pray for that person on their behalf. We are called to do good. We take the opportunity to sow spiritual seeds, not just in ourselves, but in others' lives as well. And as we do want to do good to other believers, because when someone is changed by the gospel and when they have heard the good news of Christ, they become new creatures. We are no longer the old self, we are the new self. We are a new creation. And, they're blessed, and we are blessed by God, and we are truly transformed. The least that we can do is do good to other believers. When we see a friend downtrodden because they have a sin in their life or they are just struggling, do good. Be there for them. Return the favor of God's blessing that you might have on your life. You're doing, things are going well, See someone else not doing so well? Do good, pray for them, be there for them, and be God's blessing. Our second final point for today is: gospel-centered Christians do good. I'm just going to hammer hammer the nail on this one. Christians do good, especially to other gospel-centered Christians. There are so many themes and lessons we can learn from Paul's letters, um, and I, I will say just even going through Galatians this summer, I know it was kind of hard, like, having a part one and part two, but none of these weeks really connected well. But something that, that was shared with me this, this past summer is when we're going through God's Word, it's a lot easier to hear the Gospel, to read through the, the Gospel, read through Mark, hear the story of Jesus, read through Acts, and, and hear a story. Because as humans, we love hearing stories. We love hearing about the thing that happened that one time. But when we go through Paul's letters, we're reading something different. We are reading doctrine. We are reading theology. We are reading an understanding of what God is calling us to do, and it's hard to hear that. Like, we read through Galatians, and we're like, man, that was a boring book. Oh, but Acts is over here. Look at all the cool stuff happening there. God's Word is whole, and we need to take the time to go through the books, even the ones Let's say uncomfortable words, which I'm not going to say because I don't want my kids asking me at lunchtime, Dad, what's that mean? You know, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I love you girls. I don't want to deal with that. Not till they're older. We are called to take on all of God's book because every book, and I'm not going to go through every way because I don't remember every way, but every book does point to the good news that Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, was crucified, he died, and we got to remember the and. He rose because that is the gospel. He rose again so that we might live, that the prophecies would be fulfilled. Folks, I can't say it enough. The gospel is powerful. It is amazing. The gospel is all about having a new life. It's all about being transformed, not being the old self, but being a new creation. It's being transformed. I can't say it enough, and it is because it is just so amazing. The question that we have to ask ourselves as we close out this series is, have you responded? Have you literally responded to this gospel? Knowing, I have a chance to be a new creation. I have a chance to be transformed. I have a chance. It's going to be hard, but I get the chance to do good. I get the chance to share about the good that God is doing in my life. Church, I hope you have responded. If you haven't, you're welcome to talk to myself or any of the elders. We would love to tell you about being a new creation to be able to do good. Because the good news that Jesus came and died and was resurrected for us, that's what we should all be sharing when we go out to lunch, which I cannot wait for tomorrow. Brunch house reopens. We'll share the good news at brunch house. Go go wherever you go for lunch. Share the good news of Christ with others. Because I pray that this church, that we won't just come out of summer resume all our ministries, and just do business as usual, but that we would be a church that does good in the community of of Fulton and and the surrounding areas, that we would be known as a community of gospel-centered people, not for our glory, but for God's. It's not about, Crossview is a pretty great church. God's pretty great. We're just great because He's great. We are blessed because we know Him. And we need to strive to live the gospel in everything that we do, in every day of our life. Strive for it. We're going to stumble. We know that. We're going to have our days where we're going to speed down Third Avenue. We're going to have our days where we end up at McDonald's because we're stressed out. This is me talking about myself, not an illustration. We're going to have those times. But what's great is, is we have, as a part of this church, we have fellow believers that we can lean on I know that I can lean on Mike Ancrum. I brought you back around, bud. I can lean on Mike when I'm having a hard time. I have been blessed by this man in so many ways. Find those people in your life that are those that can bless you and do good in your life when you're down. And be that person for somebody else. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we lift up this good news and we're thankful for it. God, we are thankful that we get to share about being transformed, about being a new creation, that we are no longer this old self, this old self that lives into a life, a life that isn't honoring, a life that isn't pleasing to you, God. Help us to turn it around. Help us to be gospel-centered Christians. Lord, we thank you for today. And Lord, as we come to close our time, as we, come to close, as we come to close our time in worship, Lord, we lift up this old song of Great is Thy Faithfulness, Lord. And we remember how faithful You are. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.